know, the brick walls are there for a reason. The brick walls are not there to keep us out. The brick walls are there to give us a chance to show how badly we want something. The stories we tell ourselves as people, as teams, as organizations, you know, they often get in the way of the changes we want to make in the world. We actually need to propel our stories forward, not hold us back. This is Unstop the Story, where we're looking at how amazing people and companies are being resilient, flexible, brave, and daring in the face of an ever-changing landscape. And we'll talk about how you can do it too. Hello, and welcome to Unstop the Story with Unstoppable Tracy. Many people resist change and dislike change and fear the unknown. And you know, do you ever ask yourself, do I affect change positively? You know, the truth is we can't force someone to learn or change. And what we can do, though, is we can affect motivation, retention, speed, and the quality of learning or the quality of the change. In my book, Unstoppable You, in chapter four, it's called Who Moved My Legs? And chapter four is named after my favorite fable called Who Moved My Cheese? And so this is where it was born out of with this title because it is all about change. And the legs part comes from pretty much childhood through to adulthood that Whenever I'm with a team or around others and my legs happen to be off, somebody decides to play a prank and move my legs. And I can count on that happening. And another reliable circumstance is change. So, you know, I went from sailing small boats that led to sailing bigger boats. And I got to be the captain of a tall ship in the eastern Atlantic. And then later on, a captain again sailing in the North Sea on a flat bottom vessel that was called Luke Gardinia. And during the time, I earned the respect of the crew after they saw me rolling big sails and whipping frayed lines and getting on deck alongside the best of them and even go out on the bowsprig, despite the fact that the mesh for catching you if you were out on that bowsprig, and the bowsprig is sort of that wood jutty out the front of a pirate ship. You often see a mermaid on that bowsprig. And you got to keep in mind, this was a 110-foot tall ship. And so the squares in the mesh for folks doing work out on that bowsprig, those squares were basically bigger than me with my legs off. So from sleepovers to camp to ships, there was always at least one occurrence of somebody hiding my legs. And the favorite thing was to often hide them in the boys' bathroom. So this is something I could count on happening. And another reliable circumstance is change. You know, change is inevitable. And it comes with a learning curve. And so I learned through tying my shoelaces, the famous story that you all know, and falling out of sailboats, that the best way to thrive is to jump in both feet, pardon the pun. So one day we got off the ship and we visited Robinson Crusoe Island. And I was really excited because we've been at sea a long time. And so when you get on land after a bit, it's kind of fun. 
And the island had a whole bunch of activities to do. And so one of them was water skiing. And the host had a board that they were super keen to share with me because it had a backrest. And this backrest was meant to enable somebody with maybe a disability or new to water skiing, I guess. So it had this backrest, which popped into the water ski board base. And it was a little extra wide for sitting instead of like a one foot ski or something. And because of the novelty of the adapted ski board, it attracted a bit of a crowd when I got on it. And this was my friends and workmates and also the hosts. So water skiing was a big change from sailing the tall ship and for sure, for sure. And it was new and I knew it would be a learning curve. And so the first time we went round, it went really well. And I simply swung behind the boat. I didn't do anything fancy. I just waved playfully at the audience. And they all kind of laughed at me for waving and cheered and waved back. And then because I saw everybody having so much enjoyment on the shore in the crowd, the boat driver decided to keep the show going. So we went around again, making our way near the shore this time so everyone could see us even better. And on the next round, I kind of rode the waves on either side and I wiggled my waist a bit extra fancy and everybody roared with cheers and I could see all the elbow nudges with the people and everybody saying, check out Tracy. And so the noise began to attract people and the crowd got bigger and bigger. So on the third round, the backboard popped out accidentally and I fell back on the waterboard. And so there was a gap on the water ski board where the post was because it was in a hole in the board. And so as a result, I spouted this fountain of water out of the hole. And the crowd on shore, however, they all thought it was a stunt with me lying on my back in this water fountain rooster tail between my legs. And they all cheered and clapped. And they all thought I was doing this trick. And I had no idea Uh, Well, I had no idea what to do, and they had no idea that I'd just fallen because of the board mishap. So on the next round, I tried to get up, and they all thought I was doing more tricks. So they all cheered louder, and they're jumping at the sight of me, trying to get a hold of myself on my elbows and my knees. And so the next time, I was hanging on for dear life as I slipped, and I slid onto the back of the board. And every time... The crowds were cheering louder and louder and yay, yay. It was so funny. The top of their lungs. Everybody thought I was this amazing stunt artist. And I never told them that it was all just a comedy of errors, shall we say. And so change is a little bit like that backboard. At first, it seems like, oh, this is new and maybe cool. But then something pops out that we're not expecting. And then it becomes a bit of a show. And so I say, forget about embracing and learning and coping with change. I see it as embracing the new unknown opportunities. You know, transitioning from Canada to Holland was a change in an environment full of possibilities. And even leaving the ship for the island was a change. Yet change never felt as significant in all of my travels 
as it did in my workplace when Air Canada was surviving bankruptcy while merging with Canadian Airlines or when Shoppers Drug Mart changed CEOs. You know, Canadian Airlines staff had been going through so many acquisitions and changes that they were used to embracing the possibility of a new Air Canada way faster than the Air Canada staff did. And that whole experience of change kind of makes a difference in the ability to embrace possibility of the unknown if you have that experience under your belt. You know, my, my teaching path was a real embracing the possibility of the unknown for me. So like a lot of people teaching courses, I eventually, I began a career in teaching, you know, teaching sailing and then a career in teaching. But unlike many, I ended up in Mexico and Jamaica and Uganda and Nepal. And my humanitarian endeavors had me nominated this year, actually, as a side note, for the Canada Hall of Fame. Uh, right next to our premier Paris and right next to our famous Canadian hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. All of these faces are on the wall of Canada's Hall of Fame. And, you know, three times I've been premier awards, all of this from all of this teaching around the world as a cool side tangent that happened as it. So teaching brought me to the corporate world, corporate education as an organizational learning development facilitator when I started out for Air Canada and for Shoppers Drug Mart. So this is where I was able to bring all my high performance in sailing and fabulously transfer it into the business world. So while at Air Canada and Shoppers Drug Mart, I worked simultaneously with HR and management and unions all over the competing demands of this looming airline bankruptcy at the time and pharmaceutical reform. And so my role is to facilitate the teams going through the restructuring plans that enable their Canada and Shoppers Drug Mart to maintain all of their high standards. And I am so proud of being part of that team, almost more proud to be on these teams that were award-winning training programs and outperforming the stock market, even more so than some of my Paralympic dream endeavors. So... We know inevitably that there is going to be ongoing waves of change. And this was before the pandemic, and it's now with the pandemic. And so, in fact, I am uncomfortable when status quo is happening, when things are comfortable, because I'm like, when's it going to hit? It's around the corner because change is unavoidable, unavoidable. The expression, you know, the ship has sailed kind of comes to mind, right? It's going. So as leaders, what can we do to make a difference around the commitment? How do we get folks on board? And understanding comes from and helps minimizing that resistance because there's so many conflicting priorities. So we need to minimize the resistance around the surrounding conflicting priorities for folks. And sometimes the priority can just be as simple as liking the things the way they are. Sound familiar? So ask yourself, are you looking to make a difference or get ahead? Are you doing things the way they've always been done? And is it only getting you what you've always been getting? You know, no more, no less. 
And I'm imagining less because it's likely life carries on while everything is changing around us. So by embracing what is possible wholeheartedly and quickly, the more likely you will create the results you are looking for. So who moved my legs is this reference to my favorite fable, as I said, who moved the cheese. And I see embracing possibility and leading change as an important ingredient for individual and leadership success. So in the story, the humans, they're appropriately named Ho and Hum, which I think is really funny. Ho, Hum. So, and in the fable, they waited around in the same place that they're used to, that they're comfortable with, when somebody moved their cheese. They liked where it used to be. But sadly, the cheese was no longer supplied as it used to be. And so Ho and Hum sat around waiting for that cheese. And so to activate change, we need to activate that and inspire that capability in others, right? So ask yourself right now, you know, what is a vision that you are aiming for? And then what information do you need? So where's the cheese located now, for example, right? Where's the cheese located now? And if you don't know, who does know where the cheese is located now? And what is one action-able step, actionable step you can take towards the possibility that you're seeking? And then how can you create that possibility for yourself and for others? And this can be personal life or this can be work. So I have an upcoming guest, Peter Thurin. He is from Melbourne, Australia. And besides listening to his phenomenal accent that I could listen to all day, he has spent more than 20 years owning and building and selling successful businesses. But it was a simple phone call that led to an epiphany about life. And Peter's going to tell us more about it. But essentially, he says, easy to do, easy not to do. It's your choice. And Peter says, big picture goals can be so daunting and that often people don't have that courage to get in the game. So Peter says, it's okay to feel awkward. It's okay to feel uncomfortable, but don't allow those feelings to prevent you from making a start. So that's one thing you need to do to make a start. What is that one thing you need to do? So let's go and do that together. Let's get excited. Easy to do, easy not to do. It's your choice. So you will get to hear more from Peter Thurin in just a moment. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And in just a moment, we'll be back with a lovely conversation between Unstoppable Tracy and Peter Thurin, where they're going to talk about courage, collaboration, and getting through challenges together. My name is Megan Doherty, and I've had the pleasure of working with Unstoppable Tracy to co-create Unstop the Story, which you're listening to now. One Stone Creative is a podcast and online course creation agency, and we love to help plan, build, and distribute podcasts that tell important stories while working towards key business objectives. We especially love working with authors like Unstoppable Tracy and have a special book-to-podcast program designed to help nonfiction authors transform their books into valuable multimedia podcasts. If you have a book or a story and you want to bring it to the world in a new format, find us at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. Now, here are Unstoppable Tracy and Peter Turin. 
Hello and welcome to Unstop the Story. I am bringing on 10 guests that are magnificent mentors in my life. And I got to tell you, the gentleman today is dot for dot, totally my match in energy in life. And I would say maybe even more enthusiastic and energetic than I am. And I just love Peter. With Peter, whatever the challenge or goal, if you want to change your life or your business, you've got to choose to do something. You know, ever since he was a boy, he wanted to be a black belt in martial arts. And it was a dream, but it was an unfulfilled one. And I tell you folks, at 36 years of age, Peter made the decision to pursue that dream. And he phoned his local taekwondo school and he arranged his first lesson. And he figured out it was easy to do, but for 36 years, he had not done it. Well, now, third Dan Black Belt, he just sees everything as a life choice. Peter is also a qualified pharmacist and he has a lot of achievements. But what I love about Peter is that in those achievements, he includes his wife and his three grown-up kids, and he's living in Melbourne, Australia, joining us today. Peter, thank you so much for being here today. I'm over the moon you could join in. Uh, Trace, I'm not sure whether you can feel the smile on my face right now, but as enthusiastic as unstoppable Tracy. I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> oh, it's so great to be with you. And oh my uh, gosh. Right back at you. Oh, you just had a birthday, my friend. <laughs> well, I did. Well, we're in lockdown. I think Melbourne, Australia is the most lockdown city in the Western world. Oh. And we're slowly waking up and coming out of it. We're all going through stuff, aren't we? Yeah, oh. I had my birthday just a few weeks ago. So it was still a beautiful celebration. But so tell me a highlight from your birthday, something your family did. Oh, that's so cool that you asked me that because I've actually got, can you believe it, sitting right in front of me. I mean, I'm a husband, father, grandfather, Trace. My little girl has three little people of her own. And my little grandkid is a six, four, and one and a half. And the six-year-old had written me a card which sits on my desk. And it says quite simply, and please, this is very self-indulgent me reading oh, you a, a six-year-old birthday card. It says, Dear Papa. And she calls me Papa. And when she says that, she can have anything that she wants. Oh, my Dear God. Papa, <laughs> happy, happy birthday. I love you. And I love when I sleep over and you get me hot chocolate in the morning. I love when you are silly and you piggyback rides. I love you, Papa, Papa. So when you ask me what gives me joy or what makes me smile or what was special about my birthday, I think you can feel it, Trace. I think you can oh. feel it. Oh my gosh, I have goosebumps. I love it. As soon as she said, Papa, she had me wrapped around her finger. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty cute. These kids are so lucky. These grandchildren, your own children, and all of my listeners, we are so lucky. You can hear the magic soul that he is. He is just phenomenal. So will you Uh, explain to my fabulous listeners, just what do you mean by easy to do, easy not to do? Your choice. Uh, wow. Well, Trace, easy to do, easy not to do. Your choice. Actually, I own it. It's trademarked to Peter Turin. It's how I live my life. 
Ah. As you said earlier, you know, whatever the challenge or goal, if you want to change your life or your business for the better, you have to choose to do something. And that means focusing on what you can do rather than on what you can't. It means starting with small steps and building momentum. It means rising to the challenge and being remarkable. It means recognizing that everything in your life is a choice between easy to do and easy not to do. And Trace, the fact is that successful people and organizations find it easy to do the things that other people and organizations find easy not to do. And and as you and I know, oftentimes what we're hoping to do or achieve seems so monumental and so far away that we can't imagine how it might happen. You know, we see it as insurmountable or the goal we see is insurmountable and we give up before we start. And outcomes and endpoints always look hard to do at the beginning. Yeah. It's perfectly natural that we might be overwhelmed by the hard to do. Yeah. But the trick, as we know, is to focus on what is easy to do. And Trace, what is easy to do is to make a start. Take that first step. It's no more complicated than that. It's a simple philosophy, but it's a philosophy that has profoundly changed the lives of tens of thousands of people all around the world. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, so let's put this into some reality. What was something insurmountable with one of your corporations where you helped them reach a big breakthrough? Yeah, look, Trace. I'm incredibly privileged. I mean, I'm blessed. You know, I, I get to speak all around, well, Australia and all around the world. And certainly, pre the challenging time that we're you know, going through at the moment, you know, it was really on aeroplanes and off aeroplanes. One of my favourite stories. There are so many. So that's a that's a seriously tough one. One that I'm deeply passionate about is a company where I was the keynote speaker at their national conference. They were in the wine industry in Australia, and they invited me to come and consult and work with their sales teams. And I spent eight years with that company. So I still drink their product to this day. And I'm very, very passionate. <laughs> Committed. But one year, well, this is a family company, Trace, and one year they decided to change track a little bit and they bought in the big corporates. And the first thing that the big corporates did was remove me from working with the national body. Oh. And they gave me one, yeah. And for me, that really, it was hurtful. They gave me the state of Queensland to work with. So what we did was the state manager of Queensland and myself, we sat down at the beginning of the year and Trace, I kid you not, we had a real agenda. Queensland had never, ever been state of the year. So that was our first goal. And we wanted the six members of the Queensland team to finish the year ranked one, two, three, four, five, and six. We didn't care what the order was, but every single member of that team, their focus was that they were going to get every other member of that team into the top six. So truly, you talk about having a vested interest in each other's success. We were on a mission. And Trace, talk about easy to do, easy not to do. We used the yes box and the no box. You either made the phone call or you didn't. And the question was, did you call Unstoppable Tracy? Yes or no? (laughs) You just get to tick one of the boxes. Because if we're going to finish number one, we couldn't tolerate mediocrity. It was we were (laughs) in this together and we held each other to account. Well, Trace, we went on this remarkable journey. It was a declining industry, the wine industry at that time, and the rest of the country had gone backwards. And can you believe that the state of Queensland that year grew their business by 77%. And at the end of the year, they became state of the year for the first time in their history. And the six members on that team, you may well have guessed by now, finished the year ranked nationally one, two, three, four, five, and six. It was one of the most emotional experiences of my life. 
working with it. And to this day, now I've not worked with that company for some years now. I'm still wonderful friends. Most of them have moved on and are now working elsewhere. But we formed the most remarkable friendship. I know that might sound very superficial, but when you work as closely and hold each other to account, you talk about easy to do, easy not to do. There was nothing that we did that anybody else couldn't have done, but you've got to have that want. You get to choose whether you make the phone call, the extra two phone calls on a Friday afternoon. Yes. Or you go home. Well, it's too wet. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too dry. It's too windy. It's too... We were in this game together. And Trace, I, I get goosebumps when I tell you this because this was really not about me. I, I was captain of the cheer squad. But understand, I, I fiercely held them to account. Those things that we had agreed, those things became our non-negotiables. I held them to it. And when it came time to celebrate at the end of the year, they would not celebrate until I could get on an aeroplane and fly from Melbourne, which is down the bottom of Australia, to Queensland, which is up the top of Australia. It was quite amazing. Wow. And the celebrations, and please, I, I know I've made this sound all about me, and it's so, 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 so not. But oh. one of the most amazing things happened was that one of the activities that we indulged in in our celebration was swimming with dolphins. Oh. And to this day, I cannot wipe the smile off my face. I wish I had the photos to show you. Oh. Amazing. Amazing. Oh what a group God. of people can do when they make up their minds to do it, Trace. Yes. Tough times, a declining industry, every reason to point fingers at other people and blame and blame. They're not doing this and they're not doing that. Yeah. We took responsibility and we made it happen. So what were some of the excuses that you started to hear up front? Like, what do people hear that is probably in common with some other excuses in some other corporations and businesses? Trace, I think one of the problems is we look at things that we can't control. I can't control the weather. I can't control what people in other states are doing. I can't control the fact that the company made a decision to bring in the corporate decision makers. Yeah. That's all stuff. That's all stuff. But we sat down with a plan, okay? And the plan was state of the year. Now, that was a big, hairy, audacious goal because they had never been state of the year. So that meant now we had to be accountable. Accountable for what? What are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? And who's going to buddy up and hold and work together? It really was around, mostly around focusing on the controllables, taking responsibility and cheering for each other. All along the way, no surprises, we worked together. We shared ideas, we shared stories about what had worked, what hadn't worked. I was able to bring stories in from around the world about what the best in the world do. But it's not about my stories, Trace, as you and I have spoken about on webinars previously. It's how our friends, our colleagues, our people listening to us today take the meaning from those stories and have the courage to implement. It's always about the doing. Knowing it's not about what you know. It's, it's all about what you do with what you know. It's yes. always about the doing. And there was six people that made it to the top at the top, which was extraordinary. And you had this, as you, I love that, hairy, bodacious goal. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. That was the hairiest of hairy goals. Holy tamale. Can you think of one story, I'm putting you on the spot, of the six people of maybe of how they held somebody to account or how somebody had a breakthrough or how somebody committed to a goal and they thought they weren't going to get there. Trace, I absolutely, I, I, to this day, I have the most remarkable relationship with one of the gentlemen on that team who, when he first came on board of that company was performing less than what I knew he was capable of doing. He was the one that would be out at conference time. He was the one that was out till four o'clock in the morning and then coming into a conference room at seven 38 o'clock thinking that he was going to get something out of the day where he'd been over drinking. He'd been overindulging. And he was underperforming to what I believed he was capable of. And as we know, 
one of the most powerful things in this world is when somebody believes in you. And I can tell you, I believed in this, in this gentleman. And the turning point was when I asked him a simple question, he had a little boy at that time. And I asked him, I said, would your little boy be proud of what his dad is currently doing? And it was a really emotional time. I was in his face. No apologies for this. I was in his face. And over the next period of time, he became a project to me. And to this day, now I've not worked with this company for five or six years. And he and I speak probably half a dozen times a, a year. Wow. Of the top six performers that year, you may not be surprised now to hear that he finished the year nationally ranked number one. Oh. Number one. He is the most extraordinary story. Now, difficult to maintain ranking number one. Yes. But that year, he became the project. And he's a remarkable human being. And, and he's remarkable on, on so many different levels. He's the, the guy that if there's uh, walking along the beach with his little boy, with that same little boy, if there's litter floating out in the ocean, he'll swim out to get the litter to let his little boy know that the environment matters. Oh. He's the person that when retailers are suffering, he walked into a grocery store and bought a bag of chocolate frogs and walked up and down the street handing out chocolate frogs with his little boy just to put smiles on people's faces. So easy to do, yet so easy not to do. And what does most of the world choose? The most of the world chooses easy not to do. And that, you understand why I saw something special in this human being. Because deep down, he was a heart of gold. But professionally, he was underperforming. He got caught up, it was in the wine industry, and he got caught up with the wine yeah. as opposed to, he still had a commercial role to fill. Yeah. And it was all about the, and also we, too, he became one of the most wonderful supporters of the rest of his team. He was the one, more than any other member in that team, that was so hell-bent and focused on every member of his team finishing in the top six. Oh, For which me, is that, partly how he story. probably became one as well, because he was a support to the other six. Isn't it amazing that you say that? I ag- aggressively agree with you. He wasn't focused on number one. He was focused on what he could do rather than what he couldn't do, but he was focused on what he could do and bring to life for the rest of his team. And the outcome was he finished number one. It was like yeah. a gift from above yeah. that he'd been given, but it was all about the doing. Remember, as we said, about easy to do, easy not to do. You know, whatever the business, you know, whatever the challenge or goal, if you want to change your life or your business for the better, you have to choose to do something. It was always about the doing. Easy to do, easy not to do. It was his choice and he chose wisely. He chose to tick the yes box as opposed to the no box, which he had been ticking previously. Not complicated, is it? No. Did you two, when you first gave him the constructive feedback and it was a beautiful, brave gift to see him as more than he was being himself, but did you guys have a fractured relationship like after the initial feedback? No, I must say massive credit where credit is due. He took it seriously on board. For some reason, he had massive respect in me. I don't know where that came from. I think I he do. really enjoyed. <laughs> well, no, really. I mean, I, I, I mean that quite seriously because he didn't know me well at that stage. So he really, to your point, he really could have pushed back. Who does this person think he is talking to me about my son? And But no, not at all. It, it was actually really quite an emotional coming together of two human beings. He knew, and to this day, he always asks me his words, Pete, how's your beautiful family? He calls me PRT. They're my initials. He's only ever called me PRT. And it's just a a thing that we have together. And the legacy that he's leaving behind for his, he's now got three children. 
the legacy he leaves behind for his kids is absolute massive credit to him. Just taking on board and wanting to be a better version of himself tomorrow than he was today. That's not too shabby, is it, Trace? That is not too shabby. And I love how you share this story. And I can like hear myself in your story. And I'm inviting our listeners to hear themselves in Peter's story. It's a specific example that any of us can take on and check the yes box. Yeah, Trace, you know, it's taking responsibility. You're accountable, but to bring others along for the ride, to have a vested interest in each other's success. I think that'll serve you very, very well. It doesn't matter what the pursuit is, whether even a black belt in martial arts, I've got to take responsibility for the training that I do, but the team of people around me cheering for me, encouraging me, even when I was just beginning. Because in due course, initially you're absorbing and you're almost being selfish because you're taking from other people. But in the circle of life, you then get a chance to give back and to be a source of inspiration to other people as well. So again, Trace, the most important thing for me here is that People take the meaning from the stories and have the courage to take that first step. It's, it is easy to do. Yeah. It's easy not to do. You spoke about my black belt in martial arts. Now, the dream yeah. I had as an eight-year-old kitty, but didn't get started until I was 36. And it was the epiphany. It was a simple phone call. I'm not suggesting a black belt is easy to achieve. No. But the phone call to get into the game. It's easy to do. It's easy not to do. Yeah. And it's your choice. And 36 wasn't your excuse. Age wasn't your excuse, right? You, you're like, no more excuses. No, it's done, Trace. Enough, enough. If, if you're serious about that, what you say you want to achieve, then you've got to find a way to get into the game. And I know this is a terrible generalization, but my generation has always been terrible at asking for help. And I'm still not good at it. But <laughs> certainly through this time right now, I think the most powerful question that I've asked of me is, yeah. Who else do I need on my team? I mean, Unstoppable Tracy, let me tell you something. How blessed am I? I've met you through this period of time. We wouldn't be doing this together had we not been given this challenging time. So I can sit back and say, woe is me, or I can look at how can I bring something to life? Who can I meet? Who else do I need on my team? Yes. And where to from here? Now, we were brought together on a webinar and we so enjoyed each other's stuff. That yeah. here we are today sharing more ideas and more stories. And we're only just getting started. Yes. And I know for me, I'd been asked over and over again, well, Pete, you talk about easy to do, easy not to do. Where's the book? And yes. I'd use it as an excuse. Here we go again. I was going to write the book, but never, I was in breach of what I talk about. It was easy <laughs> to do. So the A to Z of easy to do is now available as an ebook from my website and also on Amazon. And again, I did it as a collaboration with a gentleman who I have enormous respect for, and but I asked for help. It's right. okay to ask for help. And then you actually got the book out. But before you go um, on, okay, you've got A to Z. I am really intrigued what you did with the X. <laughs> <laughs> Typical that you would ask me that. I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. I've got a friend of mine that challenges me on that as well, and I haven't told him yet. But now, oh, You're holding him on the edge of his seat. Now you've, well, he, he saw it on, he's, God love him, he actually, he purchased, purchased a copy off my website. Right. Look, X is, a, X is a real word. The, X, the word is Zumpen, X-O-O-M-P-I-N. So Trace, <laughs> just, to, just to bring this to life, and this is so relevant with this time that we're going through right now, Wherever your journey might take you, the one thing you can be sure of is bumps in the road. Yeah. They're just bumps. They don't stop you from getting anywhere, but they do slow you down and they make it harder. 
They might even make you uncomfortable. The key thing to do when you hit a bump in the road is to make sure you zumpen. Zumpen. Zumpen is to drive over the bumps in the road. I'm not making this up. It's a real word. You can look it up. Ah. Because when you encounter those bumps on the road, the small difficulties, the little hitches, the mini problems, the minor setbacks, the tiny glitches, the petty inconveniences, the slight hiccups, you have to keep zumpening. You have to drive right over those bumps in the road and keep going. Well, why? Because you've already come so far down that road because everything you want is further down that road because if you give up, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Trace, how often do we hear that an ordinary person has done extraordinary things just because they hung in there? Yeah. And that could be you or anybody listening to us today. As long as you make the conscious decision to drive over the bumps in the road and not get bogged down or discouraged by them. Those who keep zumpening get stronger. Those who keep zumpening are able to withstand whatever life decides to throw at them. Those who keep zumpening have other people look at them and wondering how the heck they do it. Trace, those who keep zumpening have wonderful stories to tell of how they overcame the odds and how in the end all those bumps in the road ever did was help them fly. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How cool is that? That is so cool, Peter. Oh, Peter. So now, and that, folks, that's just the letter X. So that's just the letter X. That's just the letter X. So I want to encourage everybody to get zumpening and find (laughs) Peter. How do they find you, Peter? How do they reach out and get this book? Trice, thank you. Thank you so much. Peter Turin, P E T E R T H U R I N dot com, or go to Amazon, but get it from the website, or you can go to. Um, check me out on LinkedIn, but make sure you go to Peter Turin. Easy to do, easy not to do your choice. Trace, I need to tell you, though, up front, you are an amazing source of inspiration to so many people. Aww. You know, I love the fact that you talk about the stories that we tell ourselves need to propel us forward because yeah. so many stories can be so self-limiting. Coming from a world of martial arts, Bruce Lee was everybody's hero. And Bruce Lee once said, to hell with circumstances, I create opportunities. There will always be stuff happening in your life, Trace, as you and I know. And we don't always know at the time whether it's positive or negative. And those times when we think, woe is me, when we look back, sometimes they're the most positive experiences of our lives. But the fact that I've got to meet Unstoppable Trace through this time, for me, has been a gift. And it's what you and I choose to do with this gift going forward, Trace. We're just getting started together, my friend. You're unnoticed. You know that. I love it. Well, and I love that it was our Netherlands friend that said, oh, I think I'll bring Australia and Canada together because it is times. And so opportunities are boundless now. But it's what you do with them, isn't it, Trace? You know, it's again, as we said earlier, it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. You can say, well, I know that if I took hold of that opportunity, it may open up new doors and create a new way forward for me. But then it's the doing. And like, even with this, you reaching out and inviting me Honestly, I feel so humbled and so flattered to be sharing this with you right now. And that for me is a gift. But it's what we choose to do with this and what our listeners choose to do with our stories. Again, it's not about our stories. It's what our friends choose to do with the meaning from those stories. Yes. And frankly, you are so massive and extraordinary. I felt unbelievably cheeky asking 
And to make it tenfold cheeky, I said, off chance you're available in the next 24 hours because Uh, I I would love for you to be one of my first three that go out as the launch. And then I heard you in my head. I heard you easy to do, easy not to do. And I'm like, check the box. Yes. And say, just ask. And Peter said yes right away. It was in a ridiculous hour and our time zone, nothing stopped us being in different time zones, being on daylight savings time, being a granddad that was babysitting. Like I was, right? (laughs) And you said, yes, yes. My friend, I hope you can feel the hug because sometimes there are just roadblocks that are put in our way, but we've got to keep zumping. You know, we've got to drive over those roadblocks. You know, there are so many beautiful little quotes, you know, and and one of the things I talk about in the book, I talk about brick walls and obstacles and barriers. And Randy Pausch is a gentleman who wrote a book and delivered a lecture called The Last Lecture. And it's one of my favorite quotes. And it's quite simply that, you know, the brick walls are there for a reason. The brick walls are not there to keep us out. The brick walls are there to give us a chance to show how badly we want something. So I don't care, climb over it, push it down, go through it, go around, go under. But, you know, you and me coming together, I mean, time differences from one side of the world to the other, that's just stuff. You and I were always going to find a way to make it happen. And look at us, here we are. Here we are. And I love the wall analogy. I love the wall coat. And I have a, a wall analogy of, Watch, ask, listen, learn. W-A-L-L. Watch, ask, listen, learn. And you'll climb every wall. It's a beautiful quote. Folks. No, but look, but and the one last thing though is, is, again, it's about, you know, this belief in each other. Like to my friend with the wine industry who really, by just looking at himself and saying, you know, I'm better than this, but knowing I was in his corner and symbolically had an arm around his shoulder cheering for him is so powerful. Who can you cheer for? It's about, yes, being inspired, but also being a source of inspiration to others. Very powerful. Easy to do, easy not to do, your choice. Well, folks, Peter is my inspiration. And you've got to visit Peter Turin. Peter, P-E-T-E-R, just like my dad, Peter. And Turin, T-H-T-H-U-R-I-N.com. And you'll see it in the show notes. You will not regret getting this book and listening in to all the extra clips that Peter shares as gifts to the world. Thank you for joining me today, Peter. You come uh, thank you, Trace. to stop my story every day. Thanks. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Much love to you, Peter. And thank you all. What a gift to have you today, Peter. Such a blessing. Keep well, Trace. Until Keep next well. time. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoyed the show? I'd love if you could share it with someone you think will find it valuable or inspiring. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to see a live and unedited version of this full interview, you can. Subscribe for all access at unstoppabletracy.com slash interviews, and you'll gain instant access to the whole catalog for free.